and I am Jackie Lewis, and I am with Ruby Sales, and this is Women Talk God, a podcast about theology and public issues from the perspective of faith. I am the senior minister at Middle Collegiate Church, and my mama, Ruby Sales, is a civil rights icon, a freedom fighter, and a leader in the Southern Freedom Movement. She's my mentor and our teacher. We hope that you will listen to this podcast, share this podcast, and join this important conversation. Today, we're having an urgent conversation about how white supremacist ideologies are killing people in this country, killing bodies and killing souls. We're on the uh, tail end of a 686 people roundup of immigrant people in Mississippi. The pictures of their children crying in the streets is a picture that I will not soon forget. Like I won't forget the picture of a series of guns laid out to say the name Trump that inspired the shooting in El Paso directed at black and brown bodies. And like I will not forget of all the ways that President Trump has revved up hatred and violence in this country. That's why we're here today. Mama Ruby, how are you feeling about these things? Well, I've been thinking deeply about history and the connection between historical patterns and where we are today. Mm-hmm. We tend to think of history as an event, mm-hmm. but really history is comprised of patterns. Mm-hmm. And I want to just say to us that we need to look at the historical patterns of raids and roundups and terrorizing children, black and brown children, that go all the way back to the doctrine of discovery. Right. I right. was thinking about dogs this morning. Mm-hmm. We tend to think of dogs as a phenomenon, as something that we saw during the Southern Freedom Movement, when in fact the invaders, the European invaders, who came into this country and committed genocide and terror against indigenous people, used dogs as weapons of war. Hmm. We also, who watch, whenever we watch movies on the community of enslaved Africans who ran away. What do we see hounding them? Dogs. Dogs. Mm-hmm. When black men escape from the chain gang, what do we see hounding them? Dogs. Dogs. Yeah. What do we see? And so the Europeans who came to this country started a tradition in this country of weaponizing dogs. They would release hungry dogs at the throats of indigenous people mm-hmm. in this country. So that we have to understand what we see today in terms of the raids come out of the slave patrols, come out of the hunting down of, mm-hmm. of Africans who ran away, come out of the hunting down of, of Native American people. So that this country, while Donald Trump is the current cheerleader and the current guardian of that tradition, it is in the souls of white America in the history of white America that we must look to understand and to find answers. That, that is so, Ruby, that is so right. It is as old as the founding of our nation, this white rage, the sense of entitlement. Um, you know, this is a strange anecdote, I'm going to say, but yesterday I was walking with a friend and we walked by a pit bull and his owner wasn't quite um, managing the dog so well. Honestly, I said, I wish I, I wish I could tell you the source of my dog fear, 
because I'm a little bit afraid of dogs. <clears throat> we had a dog named King who mm-hmm. did, just did not like me, and he was, you know, snap at me a lot, and turned out that he had rabies. But honestly, love, I think when I was a little person having a pet, the images of kids and adults being snapped at by dogs, that, that iconic, horrible image of a man in a suit and the dog is pulling his pants leg, right? Like, the, the, the trauma of, like, we are going to be hunted by a, by a, a pet that's been domesticated but actually is being treated like a wolf, like a dog, a, an animal of prey. That's in my psyche, Ruby. And yeah. that's really important because mm-hmm. during the in, during segregation in certain rural communities, there was a sport that white people used to engage in called coon hunting. Mm-hmm. And that meant that they would use their dogs to hunt black people and terrorize black people in the woods, mainly black men, and make them run from the dogs with the dogs on their heels. And mm-hmm. so that we must begin to understand what we see today the, you know, the roundup of enslaved people, the, the, the raids on African countries to get enslaved people, the raids on, on Indian territories in this country. Mm-hmm. This country has a history of terrorizing, surveilling, and containing black and brown people and in, uh, in, in these kind of horrendous situations. Right. And so we must begin to settle down and understand that Donald Trump, while he is the current curator, yeah. mm. administrator, mm. this is a deep spiritual rot yes. in the heart of the West yep. that must be called out and dealt with once and for all. Really, that and is so right. Acting as if we're dealing with events rather than patterns. Mm. Yep. We're, we're dealing with patterns, we're dealing with systems, we're dealing with structures, um, we're dealing with institutionalized, structurized white supremacy. Um, that is, did it, did it ever lay latent? I mean, I don't believe that. I don't believe that. I don't believe that it was latent and now it's showing itself again. Um, it, it, it seems... Well, even when you, we can even trans- take that outside of the black community and look at other groups that were considered outsiders in yep. this country right. and how raids would happen. Look at what would happen in LGBT, uh, bar, uh, lesbian and gay bars uh, prior to Stonewall when, yep. the, when police would raid those bars and, and take people out and look at the raids that the the Palmer raids that this country did in the 1920s, hounding and raiding Jewish communities who they said were, were communists and anarchists. So this country has always used raids as a way of terrorizing dissenters and a way of terrorizing people who they see as other, as a way of terrorizing and containing and rounding up and deporting people because many of those Jews who were victims of the Palmer raids were deported. Yeah. And so that we've got to understand that this radical evil that we see today has been in the very gut of this country for many, 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 many generations. That's right. And black folk, while we've been the major recipients, also we have to understand that reformers and people and dissenters have also been victims of rage in this country. That's right. That's right, Ruby. Anybody who doesn't, any any soul that doesn't hold the white supremacist male-dominated norm, I'm thinking about McCarthy, right? 
I'm thinking about the, the Trail of Tears. I'm thinking about Native American children uh, being rounded up out of their houses and kidnapped and forced to let go of their language and culture. And then I'm thinking about Japanese people, Japanese Americans. Um, rounded up and put in camps. I'm thinking about the way we've treated Muslims in this country uh, since 9-11, but before that as well. And then the, the Sikhs who are not Muslim but wear turbans, how they get caught up in the violence of this. This is, this is a soul sickness, Ruby. And I'm, I'm and this sorry. Is in addition to the devastation that mm-hmm. we're watching and the cynicism, the, 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 uh, the nihilism, in addition to that aspect, that stream that we see continually in American history, the grace is, is that there's another stream. Mm-hmm. And that stream is a stream of a resistance. There's another stream in America. And this is an opportunity for us to redeem the soul of this country yes. away from that murky and that polluted stream that we've been talking about this morning. I am hopeful because just as evil exists, we have a history of of hope where there's been radical good. Amen. And it is is this opportunity. And I was thinking about Fannie Lou Hamer. Oh, yeah. Victoria Gray Adams Mm -hmm. and Annie Devine Mm -hmm. who brought to this country hope and destabilized white supremacist power in the Democratic Party when they organized that Mississippi Freedom Democratic Party challenge in 1964 that took place in Atlantic City. Yes. We have underestimated that stream of radical resistance and good that they unleashed when they, when they challenged the fact that black people were invisible in the Democratic Party when they came and they demanded to be seated yes. at the 1964 convention in, uh, that was being held in Atlantic City. Yeah. And what we don't understand is that this was a major victory. Yes, it was. So powerful was that challenge that they ran all of the Dixocrats out of the Republican Part, Democratic Party yes, they who did. had held sway mm-hmm. for a hundred years uh, with Andrew John, with, with with presidents who had been white supremacists, in addition to that, third, um, the Dixocrats who strung Thurmond, who ran for president in 1948. These women, these three women, not they were peasants. Yeah. They came out of the peasants' class and they moved from the position of black folk theology. Yeah. Each of those these women were deeply deeply, deeply motivated by profound belief in God, belief in God and faith. Yeah. And they changed the shape of this nature. And so what this nation and the Democratic Party, so what we see today did not happen overnight. Yes. They didn't get the seats that year, but what they did do was that they changed the Democratic Party and it was never the same. Yes, in 1968, Julian Bond, in the very party where there were no seats of black people seated in that party in 1964. Mm-hmm. In 1968, that party in Chicago nominated Julian Bonnet to be the vice presidential candidate of the United States. That's right. In that year, a 19-year-old black boy from Columbus, Georgia, named Joseph Sales, who was a student at the University of, of Georgia, became the first 
young black delegate to the Democratic Convention in 1968. They created the fertile ground that gave rise to a Barbara Jordan and a Shirley Chisholm. Yes. And, and it is that energy that we see still growing today among black women politicians. And we've got to understand that history is not an event that is a pattern. And black women have always engaged in the pattern of making what seems wholly impossible possible. Amen. And this is the history that we must remember today. That's Top right. Three black women from Mississippi who, could, who were not considered educated, who came up out of the heartbeat of the people, changed a major part in this country and democratized democracy. Democratize democracy. Ruby, you better preach. Your, your historical analysis, your connecting the dots between these movements and the power and resilience of black women to make a way out of no way, um, hone, hone hope where it looks like there is no hope because the bedrock of their existence is their faith in the Holy One their faith in a God who hears our cries, and their faith in a God who loves us, uh, their faith in a God who created us in her image, uh, their faith that we can partner with God to heal the world. Ruby, on a day like today, hearing that from you makes me want to get out in the streets and stomp around and say, we are well, not- I preach about it Sunday you... <laughs> because what, what we yeah. really have to understand mm -hmm. is that we don't come to this struggle empty-handed. That's right. We come to this struggle with all kinds of spiritual resources Amen. that we can draw on. Yep. People who hewed out of the arid soil of, of terrorism, of oppression, spiritual resources that allowed us, although we were traumatized, we, were, we did not become broken winged birds. That's it's right. not just a story of trauma, it's a story of absolute heroic survival. Yep, a story of taking flight like a I don't know, like a phoenix, right? Rising from the ashes. When you say that, it makes me think about those scriptures in Isaiah that talk about uh, the resilience of God, the resilience of God that shows up in the resilience of God's people. You know, I will make a river in the desert, right? I will make a way through the sea, right? I will level the, I will level the mountains and raise up the valleys. Ruby, when we are, when we are, when we are feeling bereft like this, when we are feeling like you know, Lord, how long? Could you just say a bit about what gives you hope, where your faith shows up in these spaces? Tell, t testify. I find hope in history. Mm -hmm. Whether the hope is through black spirituals, whether the hope is found at that, that high spirited moment in the society that people don't want us to think about in the way that we should really understand the Southern Freedom Movement. Mm -hmm. That was a high point mm -hmm. in American history, not only because of what black people did in the South, but for black and white young folk who walked across a hundred years of segregation to find each other and to become one with each other, to build a movement of intimacy, to come together and step outside of the boundaries that society had drawn for us and become a community who were willing to walk to, who was willing to walk all the way mm -hmm. for this thing that's called freedom and democracy. History doesn't teach it that way, but that was a major moment 
white women stepped outside of the cult of white womanhood and defied that cult and said that I will be seen on the streets with black men. Yes. Black men stepped outside of that stranglehold of being lynched for being with black white women in the South and said that I will be seen with white women and we will be seen with each other's equals as partners in a common struggle. Mm -hmm. Black women stepped outside of that stranglehold of being white men's mistresses and sex objects to become partners with white men in a struggle. White men stepped outside of that mold of being predators mm -hmm. and became one with black women in a common struggle. That was a radical moment in American history that we don't understand the radical nature of that moment. But even as we didn't understand it, the guardians of whiteness understood it quite well. Mm -hmm. And that's what they've been doing for the last 40 years mm -hmm. to undermine that moment. Yes. And I find hope in the fact that no matter how many boundaries, no matter how many impediments that the system that the guardians of whiteness have put in our pathway, there have always been people in every generation who walked across those boundaries to find each other. And that's the hope that we found in history. The other hope that I find is that no lie lives forever. Mm. And I say this all the time. Once there was an empire called Great Britain mm. who bragged and, and boasted that the sun did not rise and shine on their holdings in, in colonized countries, mm -hmm. whose wealth was un immeasurable. And now that empire is a pale shadow of itself. Mm -hmm. Truth crushed to the ground shall rise again. Yes. But Jackie, we are up against powers and principalities yes, that dismember us, mm -hmm. that make us feel that we've always been powerless, that take away our glorious moments so that we won't be able to build. And because we have no memory, we approach everything as if it's a new beginning with, uh, and not a continuum of the glorious history that ordinary people have always created in bringing down the Roman Empire and bringing down the British Empire. And if this country is not careful, it will bring down the American Empire. Yeah, yeah, Ruby. I love what you just said about about dismembered, dismembering that, the, the, the kind of absence of a story, right, love? The absence of, of a memory the absence of a muscle memory or a heart memory or a soul memory, we, we have seen this moment. I'm really frustrated right now with all the people who say, this isn't America. Like, oh, hell yeah, this is America. This is America. And by the way, hell yeah, this is Christianity. I mean, let's just be real. Um, uh, read an article a few days ago, you know, this isn't the kind of Christian we've known. It absolutely is one stream of the Christian we've known. But for us to remember the other stream, right, Ruby, that, that the one who we follow in faith was a revolutionary, that the, that the people who found their identity in the kind of Afro-Semitic Jewish boy raised in Palestine to become an itinerant rabbi, to teach love is the way, the, my people, my people who found inspiration in that story, to remember that, to remember that we know how to pull down empire with our love, with our resistance. We know how to make a way through the wilderness with our love, with our resistance. We know how to step outside of the boxes that have, have caged us, if you will, and make a revolution together with the power of revolutionary love, right? Yes, and so what, standing up in the pulpit, mm -hmm. 
and 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 and, tr- and talking about God mm-hmm. in these troubling times. Right. What gives you hope? Yeah, that's an excellent question, Ruby. Last week I, w- I preached a sermon on on Psalm one hundred seven. That's online at middlechurch.org if our listeners want to hear it. And I was, you know, I was, you know, heartbreaking. You know, two mass shootings in 13 hours and, and three in a week. Um, and one before that in Brooklyn, and nobody was talking about it because it was black people. I, I, I was interested that in times of stress and um, captivity, even, that the psalmist was able to praise God, was able to praise God. And and reminded that the God who I serve hears cries of people and responds. Um, like, like a good enough mother, like a good enough father, like God hears our cries and responds, like doesn't leave us tortured and twisting in the wind. And, and when I was young, I had magical thinking about God, right? Like I'm gonna pray and God's gonna come. And, but, I, but I'm understanding as a, as a a woman of this age and this faith, that part of the way God responds to our cries is to activate us to help each other, Ruby. I feel, I feel empowered when I think of somebody like Linda Sarsour, um, you know, marching from Staten Island to DC, uh, protesting the non-indictment of, of, um, of Officer Pantaleo, who, who killed Eric Garner, and the persistence of Garner's family and the resistance all these years I, I'm, I find hope in the resistance that is Ferguson when we think about five years since Michael Brown lay in the street dead. I, I find, I preach God is our help and God uses us to help. I preach God grieves this nation. God grieves these crimes against humanity and God is crying. The God I imagine, Ruby, is weeping with us. And our response as humans is to answer God's cries for help. So that we have to, as a human species, no matter what faith we claim, no matter what way we pray to God, to stand up in love against a religion that is called white supremacy, you know, Toni Morrison just passed, and I was just reading some of her quotes, and I know I'm going to butcher this one, but she said something like, white supremacy is going to exist as long as it's profitable. So maybe I want to be preaching to the preachers. How will we disrupt the franchise that is white supremacy in America? How will we disrupt the prison and industrial... what do you say to the person who says that if God is real and if God exists then why are we suffering so much? What would you say to the cynic who asked that question? I would say that the God we love, the God I love, isn't a puppet master able to end the suffering. The God is present while we suffer and that it's on us to disable suffering. It's, and it's, isn't it wonderful that God gave us the power to change things? Amen. Like so we, that we're not hopeless cogwheels in a big machine. Right. That we are not caught up in the stream of history. Amen. That we can control the flow of history. And that's called agency. That's exactly and so that right. God is not out there trying to direct traffic. 
what God has given us is the ability ourselves to call the shots to direct the traffic. And so that that's where I think that the grace of God comes in. That's where I think faith comes in to understand that we have we are not entrapped in bad history. That God has given us the open door to change our lives. God doesn't stop us from walking in the door. We stop ourselves because we become addicted to the opiates of empire. We began to believe in our own powerlessness. We began to believe that our titles make us who we are. We began to believe that it is the empire that gives us our daily bread. Amen. We began to believe that without them we are nothing and that they become God in our eyes and in our hearts. And we become the victims of our own idolatry. Right. And while we do that, Ruby, while we make them our gods, we also create a God, if you will, that isn't powerful enough to give us power to make a change. Like we create a theology of puppetry. There's no reason to work against climate change because Jesus is going to come again and it's all going to end anyway. We create a theology of white supremacy, um, of chosenness. We create a theology in which God is um, inept, impotent. And in fact, God is super powerful and she's powerful in us to give us agency, to give us choice, to give us wisdom, to give us um, courage, moral courage, to create the world we want. That's God. And if that is the case, Jackie, I have mm-hmm. to ask one last question. Sure. If that is the case. As a nation wept yesterday with El Paso. Yeah. This president mm-hmm. unleashed a reign of terror in Mississippi that upped the ante and stuck his fingers in the grieving hearts of America in yeah. that community. That's right. And I want to ask that if people if people believe that we are not entrapped, if people believe that God is weeping with us, why aren't we in the streets in mass numbers this morning and saying enough, enough, enough? Not on our watch and not in our time. Yep. Yeah. Why aren't we? What is in us that has been stymied and paralyzed? What is in us that allows us to numb ourselves to this tremendous plague that of white supremacy and terror and crimes against humanity, the violation and the terrorizing of refugees? These people are refugees. Where is our hearts? Where is our faith that we will permit? the kings to do this in our names and we do nothing. Puerto Rico, Taiwan, all around the world, people, even in Russia, people are standing up. But one of the most affluent countries in the world, we are so weighted down by the fat of materialism and the emptiness of a spiritual imperative that we are allowing this to happen and i will ask ask the question that you asked earlier how long how long how long how long long? we sit quietly while these atrocities are being carried on how long will we allow the most vulnerable of all god's (laughs) children to continue to be terrorized and victimized and and vilified how long and criminalized At what point will our hearts be so moved that we pour out in the streets of America? 
how preachers who want to be leaders, Jackie, when will they step outside the pulpit and lead God's people? Uh, today, Ruby. I hope the answer is today. I hope the accumulated grief, I hope the accumulated piled up bodies, I hope the accumulated devastating racism, <coughs> I hope our hearts are cracked wide open. I hope our hearts are cracked wide open. And I hope that the people who are sitting in the pews and synagogues and mosques and churches and Gurdwaras, I hope if their leaders are not leading them out in the streets to say, how long? Not long. Because mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. I hope that the people who are listening, who don't have leadership that's pushing them in the streets to demand the end of this white supremacist reign, will get up out the pews themselves and lead their preachers, lead their teachers, lead their rabbis, lead their... Lead their um, Majit leaders, we the people must rise up and perfect our union, Ruby. Well, I hope this morning, and I hope that I'm not getting you in trouble, but I hope that there's a, if there's a heart out there that's bleeding, if there's a heart out there who, feel moved, who feels moved and compelled, right. but don't know where to go and, and what community to belong to, who really want to, to hear God's word of hope and redemption, I would just say that if you're under the sound of my voice and you live in proximity to New York City, go and visit Middle Collegiate Church where you will hear Reverend Doctor, my sister, my daughter, Jackie Lewis, give talk to us about redemption and pragmatic optimism. And there is no need to be lonely out there. There's no need to be afraid and I hope that you will, if you're looking for a home and a place just to come and get comfort and to figure out what to do, I would advise you to look up Middle Collegiate Church online and go and visit that church. Thank you, Mama. On that I note, hope that I, don't sit a flood of people. I hope you do, love. Y'all come. <laughs> and what I want to say is you can find us online at middlechurch.org. You can worship with us every Sunday morning from wherever you are at middlechurch.org, 1030 in the summer. About your congregation is a democratized congregation. Democratized. Where, 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 all, where we have not only do we all, that your church also has the best of music in the black tradition, Amen. the best of music in the white tradition. Talk a little bit about the democratization and why you think that that's a home for people who are really seeking democracy in the way that we've been talking about this morning. People who are wanting to engage in a spiritual reawakening yeah. so that they can live into their faith. Thank you, Ruby. I, I'm so glad you're a part of us. Friends, we are a, we look like the subway in New York and we do music like the best of black tradition and Broadway and white classical music. We are gay and straight and bi and trans. We are black, white, Asian and Latino and First Nation. We are men and women. We are every gender performance. We are teeny tiny babies and toddlers and we are people who have marched with Dr. King and have done movement building for decades, 80 year olds, 85 year olds. And we have a space for you. We have a space for you in the virtual space. We have a space for you in our sanctuary. Again, you can find us at middlechurch.org and you can find this podcast anywhere you listen to them. 
Ruby, I'm so in love with you. Um, last Sunday when I came to church, my heart was broken and my congregation raised me up by just their, the power of love. And every time you and I talk, I feel like my soul is on fire and I'm able to do more than I can ask or imagine because we serve a God who is love power. So thank you, my and, sister, my mother, my you. friend. thank you, you just put in words what my heart is speaking about you this morning. Mm. And I just wanna leave a word with, with, with everybody. Mm. Be not discouraged. Mm. Mm -hmm. Well, history teaches us that no lie lives forever, that the moral arc of the universe bends towards justice and truth crushed to the ground. Mm ordinary people will raise it up again hmm. and that is the gift and that is the promise amen. and we must move on it amen that is my mama civil rights icon freedom fighter ruby nell sales and this is jackie lewis and you're listening now to women talk god have a beautiful powerful day and let's get in the streets and make change happen Goodbye for now.